Ulterior. Y'all fuck with football? Y'all watch those games over the weekend? That was some of the most wild, outrageous, dumb shit I've ever seen from every single game. I, I honestly can't recall, like, a single weekend in any, you know, like, weekend of sports, let alone just, like, divisional playoff rounds that were able to kind of evoke the kind of emotion that they did out of me because I have no say in sports. I don't really have, like, a, a favorite team or anything. I kind of just watch it for entertainment purposes. Um, but kind of going through the playoffs now, like, I... I go, I'm a Bengals guy for the next couple weeks, hopefully. Burrow is the fucking man, honestly. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what I did over the weekend. Obviously, I reviewed stuff. Actually, that segues into something kind of important. So, this past weekend, I was pretty off schedule from what I normally like doing for Ulterior. Uh, so, the schedule is meant to be Fridays are record reviews, Saturday are singles reviews, Sunday scene to go overlook, and then the podcast goes up Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I think I got records up Saturday and Sunday and then singles like early Monday morning, like 3am and then scenic over like late Monday afternoon. Um, it, it was just kind of a, it was kind of a tough weekend, honestly, men mentally and emotionally, just like, uh, you know, some stuff happening that fucks in my mind and just kind of like, um, affects my routine or what I would like to be my routine and, you know, I I'm trying really hard not to, like, beat myself up over it because it happens. You know, people have off days. It, it is what it is. It'd be what it'd be. And I really need to learn how to, like, forgive myself in those instances. I at least got what I needed to finish. It wasn't in a timely manner, but it was all posted. So, you know, there is some form of a silver lining there, I suppose. Um, so when the intro finishes, I'll get into a little bit of a spiel about some news and then try to move right into the music because again, there was a lot last week and I really, really need to get through all of it. So we've got singles from the likes of Wolves at the Gate, uh, Bad Omens, Set It Off, a couple of others that we'll get into and then records from, I'm going to actually pull up this time, like who had records. I didn't do that last week. So, uh, Varsity, Billy Talent, Charlotte Sands, Modern Error, Set Your Sails, Comeback Kid and Ian Dior. So, yeah, thanks everybody. Enjoy this chapter. One of the things I mentioned on last week's chapter was the announcement of the When We Were Young Festival and the complete absurdity of the lineup and just like kind of how like much of a fever dream that felt like. And then as time progressed beyond that point, I became a lot more skeptical and cynical towards the whole concept. I was still excited, sure, but I just really, really kind of, you know, took myself out of that hype mentality and really started trying questioning shit like how is this going to work and why is this just one day like you know none of it made sense logistically in my head um and now uh a week later they have not only added a second day to the festival but a third day as well so now this is a three-day festival in las vegas in october yet it's the same lineup every single one of those three days, which 
is so uh, opposing what would have been, to me, like the common sense solution for people's questions, that being to divide the lineup amongst those three days. Um, you know, that would have been a lot safer. That would have, uh, you know, ensured people that they will get chances to see all the bands that they want to, or at least make a real attempt to see all those bands. Um, you know, so it, it's just really strange to me. It's like, you know, all these bands, My Cam, Paramore, Bring Me the Horizon, Jimmy World, like, they're all going to play the same set three days in a row for virtually the same people. And it's just really, really strange to me. And the tickets for the first day have already been sold. And then there's a number of people already on a wait list. So like this thing is happening. Like it's moving. Tickets have sold. Bands are promoting it. Bands have assured people this is real. It's happening. Like this is really insane. And you know, I, I, I don't know what level of desperation I have to go to this thing. If it could be pulled off well, yeah, I would go. I also feel like, you know, maybe this is a once in a lifetime, or actually this is a three times in a lifetime event now where, you know, being able to go there and like document all this shit would really, really be good for this brand. But I just, I don't know if this is worth the chance, I guess. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with when we were young. It's still nine months away, so you know, I'm sure there will be developments moving forward and, you know, this podcast will keep up with all that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention and this, you know, relay or, um, relates to, you know, nostalgia when it comes to when we were young, um, a Skylit drive. So not only is the band back, but they are back with the original lineup that including Jordan Blake on vocals. So a Skylight drive, uh, started with Jordan Blake on vocals. He was the front man for the, she watched the sky EP back in 2007, which to me is just like this gold mine of, you know, mid two thousands screamo for lack of a better way of explaining that. Um, and then moving forward, all of a Skylight drives releases were with Michael Jagman on vocals. Michael Jagman was a frontman for, you know, uh, records such as Wires and the Constant of Breathing, which was my record of the year for 2008. So, a Skylight Drive is a band that has, you know, been kind of engraved in my mind and my heart for like almost half of my life. And, you know, as time progressed and moved forward, I became detached from a lot of a Skylight Drive's material. But knowing that they're back with Jordan at the front of this, this is really, really exciting. I have no idea what a Skylight Drive with Jordan sounds like in 2022, but I really, really, really want to find out. And also, just to, I guess, contrast the news I talk about right now with a Skylight Drive in terms of my excitement levels, um, there was a release from last week that I kind of, sort of, forgot to review. That having been the new EP out of Asking Alexandria. It was called... Uh, Never Gonna Learn, I think that's the name of it. It had two songs that were on Suits on the Inside, which is their record from last October, and then two new songs, and I heard the new songs, and um, they're okay, I guess. I, I wasn't really feeling them. They kind of just blended with everything else I thought was happening on that album, so I, I just didn't really feel like putting in the time to review it as a new project when it's not totally new, um, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, that's where that went. No shade asking. I just couldn't really, uh, actually, no shade towards them. L ratio, you fell off. 
Um, but yeah, that's all I had to say about news. I'm going to get into some singles now. The lead off for this week comes from Wolves at the Gate and it is the brand new single called Lights and Fire. So I think I mentioned this the last time I spoke about Wolves at the Gate on this show. Um, they're one of those bands that I don't think people truly understand just how much I like them because I don't really ever have too many opportunities to talk about Wolves at the Gate and gas them up. But Lights and Fire has kind of made it impossible for me not to get on this microphone and just sing the ever-loving fuck out of the praises of Wolves at the Gate. I think this band has been just a, a constant in the scene for the last decade when it comes to putting out quality material every single turn that they get. And Lights and Fire is no different. This is going to be off of uh, Eulogies out on March 11th. And genuinely, Eulogies is probably one of my most anticipated releases all of 2022. Lights and Fire, um, one of my favorite uh, quote-unquote genres nowadays in music is when bands put out songs that have like similar vibes to Avalanche by Bring Me the Horizon. I mentioned that pretty heavily when I talked about the Caskets records from last August, and the same thing is happening here on Lights and Fire. It sounds so giant and like arena-ready, and the prowess shown by all members of Wolves at the Gate really make it to where Lights and Fire stands out as one of the pillars of this band's discography, and I feel comfortable saying that already. I think Lights and Fire is one of the coolest things they've ever done. It's so catchy and emphatic and powerful, and I love every single thing about this track. Uh, we got the third, or actually no, fourth single off of Death of Peace of Mind, the brand new Bad Omens record out February 25th. The song is called Like a Villain. No hyperbole, I think that currently the Death of Peace of Mind has one of the coolest album rollouts I've ever seen, just in terms of the quality of the singles. So ever since the title track got released, we have been treated to some of the best material ever put out by Bad Omens. I strongly believe that's the case. Um, you know, and all of them have their own characters. They all have their own unique sounds and unique twists. And they all stand out, like, just as individual songs in the most profound way possible. Like, you're not gonna hear Like a Villain and get it mixed up with, uh, What Do You Want From Me? You know, all these songs, all four of them, they're just so, um, not to reiterate myself, I don't mean to, but, like, unique from one another. And Like a Villain, it kind of has, has like, more of a straightforward feel to its delivery. It's definitely the safest play so far when it comes to this singles rollout, yet it still acts as one of the coolest things I think Bad Omens have ever, you know, uh, put to their name. I just, this band has come such a long way. And that's not, not to say that I thought they were ever bad, um, but, you know, there's a clear evolution happening from that self-titled six years ago at this point to what we're about to get on the Death of Peace of Mind. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, that kind of maturity and growth from a band, you fucking love to see it, dude. 
some new details about an upcoming set it off record we'll get to it in a minute but they did share the brand new single of theirs called projector I could say that this is one of the catchiest songs I've ever heard out of Set It Off, but I feel like that is emblematic of pretty much everything that they do nowadays. And they have been doing that for a minute now. I shouldn't be saying it's just like a recent thing. So the, this new album of theirs is called Elsewhere. It is releasing on March 11th. And uh, not necessarily the singles rollout per se, but just like the the marketing and the promotional material for this record i think has been stellar and the way that the band has taken on social media to like one by one announce the track listing ahead of this record's release um just the way that they did it like if you go to their instagram you can see like all of the you know like computer screen stuff that they've been putting up and it's really really cool i admire that kind of a tactic on the part of a band like set it off um but back to projector in particular um, you know, I can say like, yeah, it's 21 Pilots inspired. It has like a lot of pop flares. You know, it really does sound like this evolution of the sound of Set It Off. But even any of that, it doesn't really do it justice. I think there is so much happening on Projector and the vibrancy which, which with which everything that is happening here shines through is fucking incredible, dude. I legitimately just cannot get enough of this song. Um, you know, it's right up there with Skeleton for you know, being the best single off of this record so far, and that's just, like, two of the singles, you know? Who the fuck knows what else is about to come from elsewhere, but I am, like, really, really eager to hear it. I think Set It Off, they're doing everything right, you know? I I think I said this before about, about Midnight, where I didn't dislike it in any way, but I thought it was really forgettable. Uh, Skeleton and Projector, in my mind, far exceed anything that was on Midnight, and this really, really sounds like you know, the the course that is meant to be taken on the part of Set It Off. So this was really, really fucking cool, and I am so thankful to be able to talk about it now. Uh, is It Really You by Loathe and Teenage Wrist? So, like, technically, this isn't a new single, but technically, it also is. So, uh, Is It Really You was a song featured on the 2020 record from Loathe called I Let It In and It Took Everything. And I've said before, like, you know, I do like that record. Not as much as a lot of other people do, though. And the same thing applies to Is It Really You. I think as a Loathe song, it's really good. Not my favorite from that record and not really a song that I revisit a ton, but I acknowledge that it's good. And what ended up happening here was Loathe put out, in collaboration with Teenage Wrist, essentially Teenage Wrist covering this song. And no shade towards Loathe whatsoever, but the Teenage Wrist version is just out of this fucking world, dude. Like, the fact that they could take this song, you know, stay true to the nature and the tone of it, while also putting their own spin on it, it it's one of the coolest things i've been able to hear recently i adore this track so much and you know this isn't the final collaborative effort on the part of loathe this year and seeing now like what they can be doing like 
they have my attention and I, I think if nothing else for this uh you know collaborative project stuff loathe is a band that people really really need to be paying attention to if they haven't already been doing so brand new single out from era called nigh to silence So this doesn't necessarily begin a new cycle for ERA, but rather it expands on what was happening last year with the self-titled. So there is a deluxe edition of that record dropping on March 18th, and Nigh to Silence is one of the new songs featured on that. Um, and to me, I hear Nigh to Silence, and it kind of makes me think like, did I fuck up by not giving more respect to that ERA record? I did give it a re-listen for the sake of the top 50 records list I put out back in December. Um... And ultimately, like, it didn't make it. Uh, Memory Fiction as an individual song made it into the top 100, and then I gave, like, essentially all the praise that I wanted to to Era through that individual song. Um, but I hear Night of Silence, and it's like, I, no matter what I say positively about this band, maybe I'm not doing it justice. Maybe this band is exponentially better than I have ever given them the credit for. Because Nigh to Silence, for its five minute, five second runtime, it never slows itself down, even in the moments where it does literally slow down. But I think all that's doing is really showing the versatility and the range on the part of Era and how seamlessly they're able to transition between, you know, the softer and heavier sides of metalcore. Um, this is generally like a really, really class song. I think it fits right in with Era's discography perfectly. Um, not even just fit in, but like, you know, uh, propel itself above a lot of their material, in my opinion. And like, I have no reason to doubt that, like, whatever this band is going to be doing post, uh, self-titled deluxe and into a new record cycle, whether that be later on this year or in 2023, era is you know, going to continue being that fucking metalcore band, and I, as a consumer, need to do my part to uh, acknowledge that more often. The final single that I will be giving its own spotlight to this week comes from Ocean Grove, and it is called Silver Lining. Along with this came the announcement of a brand new Ocean Grove record called Up in the Air Forever, dropping April 22nd on UNFD or Unified. Somebody tell me how to say that fucking name because it's really, really bothering me if I've been getting it incorrectly this whole time. Um, but uh, back to Ocean Grove. So I remember two years ago, they dropped their album Flip Phone Fantasy like the week that everything went to shit and the pandemic started and, you know, every band in the fucking universe got fucked over by that thing and, you know, so did us as people. Um, to get Silver Lining at this point in the pandemic, though, it feels like just so apropos to, on a personal note, everything that has happened to me. Um, because Silver Lining doesn't really embody the kind of calamity that you can find, sometimes find with Ocean Grove tracks. Um, it's just like so straightforward and to the point, but it does so with all of this like raw emotion packed into it. The chorus in particular, like really, really stuck out to me and hit me in all the right ways. You gotta sit down, take a page. This is the silver lining to a chapter called Alone and someone has wrote your name. Um, 
like it's just so fucking um cathartic i guess is the best way to express it and i would hope that you know the potential that i saw from ocean grove coming out of the phone fantasy and the unfulfillment of it because of world circumstances i would hope that come april 2000 april 22nd 2022 and moving forward ocean grove get their fucking chance because they really really have earned it these were the remaining singles from last week that i gave either a four or a five to in the social media reviews obsession by aviana smile by banks arcade parasitic by belmont without end by distinguisher bullets in my teeth by drag me out burn by envy by angels basic by just friends featuring lil b and hubbo johnson dead end by life awaits disintegrate by motoring i can't dance is that okay by notions robot writes a love song by pup low budget horror by red hook adding up by smart death featuring mark hoppus and mirror memories by vera or vara i apologize for more than likely butchering that name um yeah there was nothing as far as singles go from last week that i didn't like or you know even marginally uh admire like everything was really really good last week be hitting not gonna lie um same thing with records and we're gonna get into them now so last week i spent fucking forever talking about those records there were nine of them and this week there are seven so i cannot promise that i'm gonna be able to get through this in a timely manner so uh i do apologize for that on that end and last week i had also done some bullshit where i like randomized the records because i didn't know what i want to talk about first and last or whatever um no i have a pretty good idea right now of like what i want to be talking about so we're gonna start off with the new billy talent record called crisis of faith How long have they been around, Billy Talent? Have they been around for longer than I've been alive? Because, like, I feel like that's a real possibility. Not to, like, age them or myself. Uh, 1993. Holy shit, they really are older than I am. Dog, that's fucking crazy. Um, so, Billy Talent is a punk rock band that has kind of been, like, a staple in the scene for almost three decades now. Um, but in some ways they also don't really feel like a staple. They kind of feel like, you know, the band that got left behind in some ways from that, uh, that wave of like, um, you know, the more politically charged acts like, uh, anti-flag or rise against, you know, Billy town exists in that realm yet their name doesn't really, um, you know, stand on that mantle the way that others do. And, to me, that's a little bit unfair because I think Billy Talent, like, they really, really hold up when it comes to the abilities and the, no pun intended, talent of all the members involved. And even though, again, Billy Talent has been around for a fucking minute now, I kind of feel like they've only gotten better as they've aged. So, you know, some of their older stuff, I don't really, really go back to it often. Um, but from Billy Talent 3 onwards, Billy Talent 3 having been the 2009 record, I think they have like way more hits than they do misses. Um, you know, so I can look at Billy Talent 3 and point out like, uh, Devil on My Shoulder and Saint Veronica as the songs off of there that really, really stand out to me. Dead Silence from 2012. I was listening, listening to, uh, Surprise Surprise, like maybe like two weeks ago. And that was how I even like realized that Crisis of Faith was dropping this month. And I was like, holy shit, that's great. I can review it and talk about it. Um, 
this is the first Billy Talent release in six years. The last one was called Afraid of Heights. I vividly remember listening to that record over the summer while playing a fuck ton of Overwatch. And I actually have Overwatch booted up right now on my PS4, and I'm talking about Billy Talent. So, like, what the fuck has really changed over the course of six years? Um, but I did think that record was, like, kind of just okay, at least in comparison to uh, Billy Talent 3 and Dead Silence. Yet, there was a song on that record, I'm looking at the track listing right now to remember it, Rabbit Down the Hole, which is kind of like a, like a more slower, brooding, longer song, to be honest, and I thought it just fucking delivered. I, I loved everything about that song, yet as time progressed and there was like not really any activity from Billy Talent, I kind of just forgot about them. Um, that was until Reckless Paradise dropped at the beginning of 2020. Reckless Paradise has like such a special place in my heart because it was one of the final songs that I got to really, really enjoy before everything went to complete shit. And I don't even mean that just in reference to the pandemic, but also because in February 2020, a lot of like really deep personal shit happened to me that, uh, you know, it still affects me to this, this day. And so Reckless Paradise to me represents like, uh, you know, the last bit of tranquility that I ever truly felt in my life, but then also the foreshadowing of the just complete fucking disarray that was about to go down. So, and because of uh, Reckless Paradise inclusion on Crisis of Faith, it kind of like reintroduced me to the track and let me appreciate it all over again and love it all over again. And to me, that's one of the strong suits of this record is being able to reconnect with this song that I had forgotten, like the kind of impact that it had on me at the time in 2020. Um, I don't believe that was the first song shown for A Crisis of Faith, though. That would have been uh, the opener, Forgiveness 1 plus 2. I don't actually know if you're supposed to say it that way, but uh, let's just go with that, I guess. Um, so the thing about that track is I think it serves as a really cool opener, and I love what it does in its initial phase. So I guess Forgiveness 1, if you want to go that route. Um, forgiveness 2, I think the... Uh, the the differentiation between forgiveness one and two is a little bit too stark for me to fully get behind the track and i don't love uh the second part of it nearly as much as the first part so you know that is where that track kind of lost me if you want to put it that way um i had also just briefly mentioned that uh billy talent is one of the more politically charged bands in the punk scene and they have been since their inception and when you look at a song like the judge or judge rather which was a single prior you can sense like that is still very much so the case when it comes to billy talent's execution goddamn motherfucker with that old world plan i swear someday we'll be rid of your clan your hateful rhetoric is so carefree why can't you see what it feels like to be judged for being born in your skin judged for love that they call a sin judged because you're different to them profiled defiled tired of being so you know this band still being like so true to who they are and true to their roots all this time later i think that's really really admirable and again one of like the strong suits of billy talent as an entire act in my opinion um, and then even outside of like, you know, those politically charged themes with this uh, record, you also have some really, really heartfelt messages such as on the song, The Wolf, which is a tribute to, uh, Gord Downey, who was the frontman for the Tragically Hip. He passed away in 2017. Uh, and with The Wolf, you can sense like that emotion all throughout the track. Uh, the chorus in particular, a fire that burns up for the last time, a satellite fallen from the sky, a northern light shines on the horizon with courage and grace. You said goodbye. Um, I, I think with Crisis of Faith, 
Um, in my opinion, there are two songs on this record that really, really like put that stamp on just how fucking talented all the members of Billy Town are still to this day. Hanging out with all the wrong people and one less problem. Hanging out with all the wrong people was the number one song in Scenic Overlook, and it's the first song of the season so far to have the number one spot off a record. The other three prior were just singles, so this will be discussed again in December for the top 100 songs of season two. Uh, Hanging out with all the wrong people has has like such this like a uh, this like real groove to its effective nature, and it's just like so like danceable in some ways, while also being one of those kinds of songs that you know has that catchiness factor to its instrumentation yet when you dive in deeper lyrically you can sense just like the the despair in this track hanging out with all the wrong people i was hanging out with all the wrong people and if i'm never seen again please tell my wife and tell my friends that i was hanging out with all the wrong people um also side note if you can hear like a difference in the audio like as far as background noise goes um i switch between my heater and my fan pretty regularly because i have like this uh it's like a blood condition that enables me to like feel temperature very differently than other people. It is what it is. It's not a problem. Uh, it's just going to affect the audio for a, a slight bit, I guess. Um, and then even one less problem, uh, that song, it, it's like this, um, like a catchy punk nature to everything that's happening on there. Um, it's one of those songs, like, again, with, uh, hanging out with all the wrong people that just, like, made, made me take a step back. And similarly to Reckless Paradise and the sensation that I felt listening to that track two years ago, I, like, am reminded, like, why I've adored Billy Talent for as long as I have. And every time I feel like I forget about them, they do something that immediately pulls me back in. And that's exactly what's happening with not just that track or those two tracks, uh, three tracks rather, but just all of Crisis of Faith in general. Um, I absolutely love how this album closes out with For You, and how that song kind of has like a, like it's a little bit slower per se, but there's still some energy to it and still some bounce. It's just delivered in a different manner compared to everything else. Um, Crisis of Faith, like I, I think I've like kind of hammered this point in by now, but I'll just reiterate it. It's a reminder to me of like why Billy Talent has the audience that they do, why they've been as successful as they have, despite maybe still flying under the radar for some people, why they are a constant in the scene, and why every time they do something, I can't help but just like flock towards it and, you know, sing the praises of Billy Talent over and over again. And I've been doing this since I was like fucking, you know, 13 years old. I'm 26 now. I imagine I'll still be doing it by the time that I'm 40. Let me look at the new record from Comeback Kid right now called Heavy Steps. There are some similarities between uh, Comeback Kid and everything I just said about Billy Talent. They're a punk band. They are from Canada. They've been around for a minute as well. Not as long as Billy Talent, but Comeback Kid have been around since 2002. So this is their 20th year in existence. And I guess you can call it Heavy Steps like the 20 year anniversary of that, if you will. And it's a really, really good anniversary, if I you know can say so right now. Um, I listened to Heavy Steps and having been not so familiar with comeback kids material i've definitely heard bits and pieces here and there but i think this might be the first time i've actually like sat down to properly listen to a full record of theirs um you know again similar to billy talent they've kind of like been one of those bands that's like fallen under the radar per se yet uh i hear heavy steps and 
I feel like I can't really understand like where any kind of a, a detachment is coming between Comeback Kid and the punk audience because everything happening here is like just so well fleshed out, so well like thought out. And it, it's one of those records that I listen to and it kind of makes me feel like, you know, where have I been? Or rather, like, why did I never truly give the respect to Comeback Kid that they deserved anytime I saw their name pop up anywhere in, you know, uh, the, the space that we call the scene? Um, there were three singles supporting this record, those being No Easy Way Out, Heavy Steps, and Cross. The, the title track is the opener, and I will say that immediately from hearing the, the title track, the two bands that came to mind for the execution in terms of sonic quality for Comeback Kid were Straight From The Path and Let Live. It has like that kind of energetic feel to it. It, it never like takes a pause from its heaviness. Even when it kind of scales things back slightly, there's still so much just like raw energy and kind of like a, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, like fuck you energy, that rebellious factor is so prevalent all throughout Heavy Steps. And, you know, the same notion can be applied to No Easy Out, No Easy Way Out and Crossed. Crossed features Joe Duplantier, who is the vocalist of Gojira. And I think having like, uh, you know, implementations of an act like Gojira in something like Heavy Steps, it's kind of different and a little bit like, you know, of a contrast to what is happening, yet it fits in so perfectly and I really, really admire that about Crossed. I think with a record like Heavy Steps, it could have potentially faced, you know, an issue that a lot of the heavier stuff from hardcore, I think, tends to run into sometimes, that being like being kind of similar to each other in a lot of instances. So like, you know, songs on Heavy Steps, easily, in my opinion, could have just blended into one another. Like, it was entirely possible for me or anyone to come out of this record being like, okay, what was the difference between Face the Fire and True to Form, just to give an example? Um, there's actually a lot of differences, and I, I think you, you know, you don't even have to, like, pay so closely attention to really understand that. Like, just to go deeper into that, I think Face the Fire, you know, stays so true to, like, the, the punk elements that make Comeback Kid who they are, and then True to Form, while still doing the same thing, I think some of the instrumentation choices there, are, you know, are a little bit more in alignment with like thrash metal than they are punk. But again, I think whatever avenue it is Comeback Kid is exploring, they're able to do it like just so immaculately well. Um, I, I think once you get to the closer, Menacing Weight, you're treated to some of the better and, and more cool instrumental moments in the record's uh, runtime once you are at like that outro position on Menacing Weight. Um, and you know, coming out of Heavy Steps, I really, really enjoyed what I got to listen to. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head the score I gave it to. It was either a 9 or a 9.5. I'm gonna pull it up real quick just to check. Um, I should have done this beforehand, but, you know, I'm not a professional. I, I never claim to be. Okay, it was a 9. And uh, to me, the reason why it was a 9 is because while I enjoy Comeback Kids Heavy Steps in the moment right now, I can't really look at this record and put like, um, you know, a real prediction on the staying power of it and the lasting power. And I really prefer giving nine and a half or 10 to those records that I really truly believe, like, you know, I will still feel the same way about in a month. Um, that's not to say that I can't with heavy steps, but at, at least in comparison to some of the other material that I have to, uh, just discuss this week, I don't know the staying power of heavy steps, but even looking outside of that, uh, element, just in the moment right now, the last week, I have really, really, really fucking enjoyed the time I've been able to spend with Heavy Steps. I think it shows to me, like, who Comeback Kid are, what I've been missing out on, what maybe a lot of people have been missing out on, and how this is the opportunity to really, like, give your time and attention to Comeback Kid because they've earned it. Um, let me talk about Nightfall briefly. Uh, that is the new record out of Set Your Sails. 
I say new record, but to be more precise, it is their debut record. If you know the Spotify discography lineup is telling me anything, um, so I went into Nightfall having. Uh, did I hear any of this beforehand? Because um, if I did, it, it was kind of lost on me. I hit my microphone right now. I apologize if uh, I meant. To, I, I really, really wanted to say I apologize if you feel something. Uh, while I do this, it gives me a chance to plug my Amo episode. Go check that out because I poured my fucking heart out for that thing. Uh, okay, set your sails. No, I did not have any single from this record saved prior, so this was a full-on introduction to set your sails on my end, and it went about as, like, well as any introduction potentially could have. I came out of this, this record thinking, like, you know, set your sails, like, there's something here. There truly is, um, and... I'm going to say this, and I don't I, I don't say this just because, like, you know, both bands have female vocalists. I really hate when people do that shit. But, uh, you know, I literally genuinely did finish Nightfall thinking about how similarly I felt to this record that I did that debut record out of The Beautiful Monument. Um, I believe it was called, like, I'm the Sinner or I'm the Sin, you know, some variation of that. Um, so, and what I mean by that is Set Your Sails, they embark on like this uh you know alternative rock journey all throughout nightfall that at seemingly every turn could have misstepped and fallen into the pit that is just like you know all of these alternative rock acts that blend with each other and don't really have many differentiating factors yet with nightfall what i'm shown here is that set your sails for as young as they are in their careers they kind of have it down. They know what to do. They know not what to do. And I think that kind of makes them students in the sense of like, they probably examined what other bands similar to them and Sonic Tone have done. And they made sure not to make those same errors. Um, and I know I said alternative rock. That's kind of just in like a general scope. There's a lot of really heavy shit going on with Set Your Sails. Um, you know, and I think you get that immediately off of the opening track Ghost, which features Rudy Schwarzer, who is the vocalist of Anne is Okay. So seeing that implementation of Anne is Okay, like that meant something to me because even if Anne is Okay is a band that, you know, sometimes they gain me, sometimes they lose me. I will always have this admiration for it just because of what they were able to do for me, you know, prior to, uh, Aurora and, hearing Rudy come on this track and just deliver those screams the way that I know he can, it was just like so, um, I guess like comforting in a way. Like it showed me like, Hey, this record's like really fucking good and you're going to enjoy it. Um, and you know, while I'm praising Rudy's work on that track, I should also, you know, I, I have to give credit to Jules Mitch, the vocalist of Set Your Sails and just how well she's able to kind of let her voice just like flow and soar in the chorus and just like how beautiful she sounds. And then in contrast to her screams and like just the, you know, like really aggressive and angry tone of all that, I think Jules like really, really shows why she can be, you know, a stand-up vocalist in the scene all throughout this record, not just on Ghosts. Uh, some similar things are happening with the song that follows, that being the title track, and how Jules, you know, kind of balances, you know, the clean vocals and the heavy vocals, and how the verses are, like, so relaxed in comparison to what is happening with the rest of the song. Um, it features Andy Doner, who is the vocalist of Caliban, and, you know, similarly to what Rudy was doing on Ghost, I think Andy is able to kind of, like, bring this flavor to Nightfall, per se, and, you know, it gives it, like, uh, some additional character, and I really, really enjoy that. Um, the two songs that follow, Secrets and Why, I think for me, were two of the higher points of the record. Like, Secrets has, like, some of, you know, the more, like, cool melodic moments going on in this record. And then Why, 
I, I think this was like number four in Scenic Overlook this past week. And like that top four and then even top five to expand it to Like a Villain by Bad Omens. Like every single track in that top five genuinely made a run for number one. I was listening to Why on repeat and telling myself like, oh my God, there, there are weeks, you know, from last season where this easily would have been number one. Why is an incredible fucking song. The chorus is like, you know, one of the most giant I've been able to listen to all year so far. It sounds like there's like this orchestral backing in the the course i don't know for sure that there is but that's just kind of like the, the the tone that i get from it and god like why i cannot emphasize enough guys like that song is fucking powerful i love why so so fucking much and so going from there, I think Y kind of sets this bar so incredibly high that certain songs maybe just like, for as good as they are, aren't able to reach those heights. I think you get glimpses of it off of like Into the Storm and Anchor and how those choruses are also able to soar. And like Nightfall, God, these, this band can write some fucking choruses. I think I said that last week about somebody else. I don't remember who, but like Nightfall, they've got that shit down, man. And you know, it speaks again to like how kind of, uh, you know, taken aback by it, uh, taken aback I am by their you know youthful nature and the abilities that they have already and you know nightfall i think if anything else is more of like a uh like a showing of potential rather than the fulfillment of said potential and how this is a kind of band that you know if they stay on this trajectory you know we are all going to know about uh set your sales we're all going to know about the incredible talent found within this band and you know i said go to why if you don't believe that go to anger go to into the storm uh even later on in the record go to a song like fuck off and how outside of all the alternative stuff i've been talking about this band can just like straight up write a fucking metalcore track and have it be so blistering and angry and you know have the ability to just like it, it, like embed itself into your brain and then I guess to like, you know, uh, contrast a song like Fuck Off, there is Deadline, which is about maybe like 85% clean vocals, yet it shows like, you know, the prowess of this band and how they're able to take the heavy and the softer sides of that, you know, scene spectrum and just make this incredible body of work that, you know, I think has a potential to like really, really stand the test of time for the rest of this year. Um, and then in the closing track, Shallow, which features Mike Bettis from... No Breaking Rights, another band from last season that I, like, really tried gassing up every chance I got. Um, you get some, like, really, like, uh, some of the more beautiful moments on this record, and, you know, I I've talked about courses over and over again, but I'm doing so because I am just so surprised by how good Set Your Sales are at this ability already, when there are so many bands in, like, you know, veteran status by this point in the scene who don't have that shit down nearly as well as Set Your Sales. Um, this is an incredible record. I came out of it, you know, loving it far more than I thought I would. Nightfall is one of like those hidden gems that I think, you know, has the ability, unfortunately, to remain hidden for the rest of the year. But, you know, if what I'm saying can help it be like not as hidden, then like that is like well worth it and i really really encourage everybody who is into what i've been talking about with like alternative rock metalcore that kind of stuff you know please please go out of your way to check out nightfall i, I think there are plenty of songs here that are like right in alignment with what it is you're after from the scene you know and i god i love this album so much dude uh, so now I'm going to, uh, to, uh, turn the attention to Victim of a Modern Age by Modern Error.
there is a lot of ground to cover when it comes to uh this record i so on saturday after i heard it for the first time i made this video for my instagram story on ulterior and in in it i said this was the strangest album experience i have had since the first time i ever listened to poppy and maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration but i think at its core what i was trying to say still stands there is so much happening with modern era and this record in particular that it just feels so like discombobulated and disorganized in some ways while still being able to have like such cohesion to the material it's really strange and it feels like a sonic oxymoron yet that is what i came out of victims of a modern age feeling like uh there was only one single beforehand that i had heard for season one that having been the truest blue and with that song i think that kind of gives a good idea of like what is happening with victims of a modern age Initially, the comparison that I made was Nine Inch Nails, and I think uh, Zach Benchin's vocals kind of have like that sort of Trent Reznor effect to them. Uh, but the more I heard that song, the more I thought like, okay, maybe, yeah, Nine Inch Nails, but also uh, those instances where Motionless and White get kind of like electronic with their um, delivery of songs, that is kind of what The Truest Blue entails. And again, I think that is a good introduction to what is happening with this record if you have never listened to modern era before or have no you know uh exploration achieved thus far with this record um you, you have this uh, intro song modern age well it, it's like one modern age the one is in a bracket i don't really know how else to uh say that um and that kind of like sets the stage for what is to come and then you go into this track that follows error of the world and, you know, again, to speak about that electronic implementation, it's just like laced throughout this entire song, yet it's able to find the balance, the perfect balance at that between what is happening electronically and then also just the, you know, straightforward like scene elements that are sprinkled all throughout, uh, not only the song, but all of the record. And like, it's one of those areas where, um, there's no way to come out of this record not feeling some type of way about what Modern Era achieved. Um, you know, I talked about Set Your Sails, and I, I love that record with all my heart. I, I think, you know, if you're kind of like, just like a little bit, um, you know, um, what's the word? I guess, uh, like worn down by, you know, metalcore, alternative rock, that stuff then sure, maybe you can get through Nightfall and not really feel an attachment to it. Yet with, uh, Modern Era, it, it kind of feels impossible to not have like some type of a reaction, like an outward reaction for that matter, towards the material. Um, the song after that, A Vital Sign, the uh, melodic sections of that track, they kind of like, uh, at least in my head, it, it sounds like a callback to some, you know, early to mid 2000s scene stuff. Like I get vibes of From First to Last and Silver Scene, early material from those two bands uh, in the chorus of A Vital Sign. And it's just like one of those things where suddenly, you know, this record feels like a mashup between, you know, the kind of music that I, I would have been listening to as a kid. And then now some of the more experimental stuff that I really tend to gravitate towards. Um, I will say right now, there was only one song in this entire album where just like momentarily I was maybe lost just ever so slightly that having been on Lull. And to me, Lull resembles, um, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but there was a song on that most recent Sleep Token album where it's kind of just like, you know, the vocals with like this, um, 
effect on them and there's not much else happening in the background that is what lol reminded me of and i couldn't really get into that particular sleep token song in the same way that i do like what modern error did here but just in comparison to the stellar material found you know all throughout the rest of victims of, Mo of a modern age it was an instance where I kind of fell off, again, just slightly, momentarily. And then right after that, you know, you get Human Error, another kind of interlude track. And then um, after that, The Truest Blue, like the record just like picks itself right back up. Um, and I mentioned like the balance between, you know, the electronic stuff and the straight up alternative stuff. I think there's also a good balance between, you know, control chaos and then just like straight up fucking anarchy. So for instance, feels like violence, a perfect name for that track because I think that's one of those instances where, you know, the material here, it just feels so all over the place, but not in a bad way. Just like, you know, they really, really decided to just like go ahead with whatever was in their heads and in their visions and they succeeded in that manner. And then following feels like violence, you get only one and only one has like kind of this electronic edm style backing that you know almost to me resembles something that you'd hear like on the radio or like you know in the mall or something it's just like so um fulfilling on not only the part of modern error i'm sure as artists but also on my end as a listener being able to discover this new band and immediately feel this kind of insane attachment to them and the cool thing about like that balance I'm talking about, I think the record also closes in that in that fashion. Uh, Euphoria slash Visions of Ecstasy is also one of those just like completely like dark kind of songs. And then you go into New Age Vibrance to closer, and that one feels like um so like vibrant and colorful and energetic. And again, I really really adore what Modern Era were able to do in terms of just finding you know the perfect middle ground between everything that they wanted to achieve with Victims of a Modern Age, and I think they achieved it to the fullest extent. Um, so I gave this a 9 out of 10 when I reviewed it because I felt like a 9 was a safe spot for it because I didn't know with more listens would my attachment to this record grow or kind of, um, you know, dismember itself. And ultimately, I feel stronger about this record right now than I did when I reviewed it. Like, it's right there at like a 9.5. Maybe if I gave LOL, you know, just a little bit more time to try growing on me, this record easily could be a 10 by the time I'm talking about year-end stuff in, in December. I just feel so strongly in favor of Modern Error, and I think, you know, what I was saying about, um, set your sails this is another act that if you haven't discovered them yet if you've never listened to anything from modern era you know this perfect this perfect record potentially perfect record is the perfect opening to be able to do so um okay three records left i'm gonna go ahead and talk about uh probably the most different record uh among everything that i've been discussing this week on to better things by ian dior So Ian Dior, I don't think he's like necessarily seen per se. I don't really know like all of the ties that he would have despite, you know, some features here and there on this record or then in his past material for that matter. Um, but I would say that Ian Dior and everything that I've heard from him, it fits in so well with the whole like emo hip hop trend that, you know, was on the rise and then kind of maybe uh, like uh, lowered itself for a bit. And I, I think what he's been able to accomplish is like just so um, like vital and necessary to that sector of the scene. I discovered Ian Dior probably close to the end of 2019. He, he had a song called Dark Side. I believe that's the name of it. It features Travis Barker and 
that song is just like so catchy and also like really somber and like sad boy-esque but that is exactly what i turned to emo hip-hop for although honestly i would be lying if i said that i was like paying you know real close attention to what ian dior has been doing ever since then um I think whenever I see his name show up in like the release radar for Spotify on my end, I do review his tracks for Ulterior, but this is the first time where I get to like properly sit down with a full length project from Ian and really give it, you know, the time that he has warranted and earned out of myself, given that I've never had a bad thing to say about him. I, I have always believed that he is one of like the shining stars and, and hopefully in the future, a cornerstone of the emo hip hop scene. And I think On to Better Things is a great way to really show people why that should be the case. And like, as soon as you start the opening song, uh, Is It You?, you're immediately greeted with what I've been talking about in terms of like that prowess shown by Ian for emo hip hop and like the somber instrumental backing while he comes in with the first verse. Who am I? Who are you? Why are you here tonight? Another time, another place laying in the rain. And then the wave started crashing the walls of my mind. There's nothing left that I could do. So fuck a watch, fuck a chain. Don't need none of that. Found a bomb and found the love that brought me down inside. And then the wall started crashing. You can't be replaced or maybe it's all in my head. The lyricism on the part of Ian is one of the strong suits of this record, and it's a big reason why I have been able to obtain the attachment to this material over the last week that, you know, I sometimes struggle with hip-hop in some instances because I have kind of steered away from the genre over the last number of years because of just, like, maybe, uh you know, the uh, the deterioration of the, e of the, like, the SoundCloud scene definitely, you know, had a part of that, and Ian kind of puts me back in that spot where, you know, momentarily, emo hip-hop was probably my most favorite genre in the scene. There's no shortage of just, like, you know, the most stellar production you can imagine for an emo hip-hop record found on On To Better Things. Uh, complicated, and I might, if you listen to those tracks, you know, you'll get lost in lyricism, but at the same time, just, you know, the backing and the, uh, the uh the beat to it all, like, it just, like, really, really goes, and it fits perfectly in with everything that Ian is saying. Um, with a song like Heavy, you get, you know, some more of those somber moments when it comes to the production end. And with Heavy, that was where I kind of like realized like, okay, this reminds me a lot of what I've heard before from, you know, say Lil Lotus or, or um, Shinigami. And for, I, I really, really enjoy those elements when it comes to emo hip hop. And then uh, the song Obvious, which features Travis Barker, that was one of those moments where I was like, you know, whoa, wait, what the fuck is this? Because uh, the execution of Obvious it sounds more like I don't know how but they found me than it does anything from the hip-hop section of the scene, but I think it works really, really well with Travis's inclusion and then also Ian's vocal delivery. Um, and I guess just to like, you know, continue off of that and talk about another song that steers away from what else is happening on, on to better things. Uh, the song Let You, the instrumental backing reminds me of Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. And, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why I think Let You is probably my favorite song off of this record. But at the same time, you know, just Ian's uh, ability to, you know, uh, travel through all these different sounds and still be true to himself and true to, like, that emo hip-hop nature of On to Better Things, I think shows, like, his real talent and abilities as, uh, you know, like, a, a pillar of the emo hip-hop scene. Um, I, I think the two songs closing this record are absolutely fucking perfect. Fallen is like this really just like nice and somber acoustic song. And then you go into Hopeless Romantic, another Travis Barker featured song. And similarly to what I said about the other one, Obvious, Hopeless Romantic kind of has like more of a pop backing, you know, that I don't know how, but they found me. But then also maybe like, a, you know, some set it off is like a little bit thrown in there. And 
And all of that just makes for like this incredible package that I knew I was going to like and probably even love, but I didn't necessarily feel confident going into onto better things that I was going to come out of it believing it was a perfect record, but that's ultimately what happened. I think this is one of the coolest, you know, uh, records and releases I've heard out of hip hop in a fucking minute. I love onto better things. I probably haven't really felt this strongly about a hip hop release since, uh, Jokes on You by Gucci Highwaters, which is like kind of a year old already, I think. Actually, maybe it was exactly a year old this past weekend. Damn, that's crazy. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Ian Dior, On to Better Things, absolutely fucking perfect record. Uh, I'm gonna take some time right now to talk about the one EP from last week, that being Love and Other Lies by Charlotte Sands. Um, so I didn't really mean to do this. It kind of just happened on accident. So I compared On to Better Things by Ian Dior to Jokes on You by Gucci Hotwaters. I kind of want to make another comparison to, or, or for Charlotte Sands, that was also released. So, okay, Jokes on You and Paranoia by Maggie Lindemann came out the same day last year. And then now this year, uh, On to Better Things by Ian Dior and now Love and Other Lies by Charlotte Sands drop on the same day. I am, I'm not saying that Love and Other Lies is 2022's paranoia, but I'm saying that I feel some similarities between those two works that can only be advantageous to Charlotte Sands and her standing with myself for the rest of this year. Um, so, you know, I don't know if I would classify this release as pop punk. I think pop rock with some pop punk influences is a more appropriate way to describe it. And I think that is, uh, immediately noticeable upon listening to the first song, Want You Like That, and just how powerful that chorus sounds and the the vocal range of charlotte sands and just how magnificent she sounds with these kinds of songs uh laid over and the song that follows bad day that does a lot of the same things i think bad day has maybe a little bit more of like a at least sonically not necessarily lyrically a little bit more of an upbeat nature compared to want you like that and i think it sounds great um all my friends are falling in love i heard this song and i thought like this would have fit so well with like you know uh, like a 2000s movie soundtrack, like something more of like a, like teenager based. Um, it just has like that kind of like pop vibrancy to it and that angst for that matter. And I think that's one of the other things that stands out about this EP to me, the angst on the part of Charlotte Sands and like how it never really comes across as like cheesy or corny or forced or played out in any way. It sounds so true and genuine and her delivery of these lines really, 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 uh, tell me that, you know, she fully believes in everything that she's saying. Like, you know, to me, believability is so necessary when it comes to an artist and the level of admiration that I'm able to find for them. And Charlotte achieves that to the fullest extent possible. All my friends are falling in love and I can't even make out with him without wanting your touch. Hell, I can't even stomach your drink without hitting you up. No, it's too late, but there's still a part of me that's hoping. Baby, one day it could be us. Yeah, I'm still falling out of it and all my friends are falling in love. Um, I, And I think in the midst of like, you know, all the angst and the pop, and pop rock pop punk tones i've been speaking about something that you know really cannot be lost on this release is the catchiness of it and i think once you get to dress that catchiness factor is just so like obvious and in your face and dress is the kind of song that like i really truly believe you hear it once you're you're gonna want to come back to it over and over again because that hook and that chorus will not leave your brain for anything uh, the two songs thereafter, Keep Me Up All Night and the title track, I think they do a good job at kind of like scaling things back just slightly. 
especially Love and Other Lies, that being, you know, a primarily acoustic song, uh, the, the, the first bit of that track, which is kind of like a, like a voicemail recording, it like really, really fucking hits emotionally. Do you rem- remember when I told you that don't worry about when a door closes because a better one is going to open? Do you re- remember that? All right, call me again sometime. Bye. I love you. And, and then you go into that first verse. When I was younger, my father and mother would come in and kiss me goodnight, dreaming in colors, sunburns in summer, and some day swore I'd learn to fly. I was stupid, grew up too quick. Now these colors are confusing, and my parents packed their things and said goodbye. It's one of those instances where it's like, you know, I didn't necessarily know I was going to come into this EP feeling, you know, this kind of emotion, yet Charlotte kind of like forced that. And I, I don't mean forced in a bad way. I mean, like she made it to where there's no way that you can't feel what she is feeling and identify with her emotions. And that is like such a, you know, a, a good characteristic of a stellar and um, capable artist. And then you get to the closing song, Every Guy Ever. So I remember reviewing this uh, for season one. I think it was like October or November that this song dropped. Every Guy Ever came so close to making it into the top 100 songs series. It was just right there and I ended up cutting it like, a you know, towards the last minute. Um, but hearing it as the closer for uh, Love and Other Lives, Every Guy Ever is uh, incredible. Like, I, I can't really formulate the words right now to describe the true level of a connection I feel to every guy ever and how it's just like so like it's the perfect cap off to this EP because it has everything I've been talking about it has angst it has catchiness it has good melody it has a great chorus you know the instrumentation the verses is so well placed to build to said chorus um Charlotte's delivery and every guy ever is incredible like every guy ever is going to end up being one of my favorite closers of this year and I, I think that's for good reason. Charlotte just fucking showed up on this EP and she made it impossible for me to listen to this material and not have the urge and the need to just gas her up on this show because she really, really earned that. I think Love and Other Lies is a perfect EP. I really cannot wait to see like how well it ages throughout the year and where I stand on it, you know, in December because I think Love and Other Lies is perfect and most necessary and vital release that charlotte sands could have released right now yeah okay so like i'm i'm getting tired now my voice is definitely feeling it uh thankfully there's one more record though and i have no problem you know talking extensively about this release welcome home by varsity Um, so this was meant to be a November release for 2021. I don't remember if it was the 19th or the 26th, but either way, it would have been, you know, right there in that lineup with, uh, I think, uh, your, not yours truly, um, fuck, they were one of my favorite records last year. Why can't I remember the name of it? Between You and Me, god fucking damn it, dude. Um, Between You and Me and Volumes and Mayday Parade on the 19th, and then the 26th had Imminence. Varsity was meant to be in that mix, like I said. Uh, but the record got pushed, uh, to, uh, January 22nd, 21st. When was Friday? The 21st. I'm, guys, I'm fucking out of it right now and I've been out of it, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, 
so you know that was a little bit disappointing because i knew the potential of this record to like really really make an impact on me because that's what happened with their uh cloud city ep from 2020 i remember hearing that record particularly the uh the lead single shameless and really understanding you know finally the talent and abilities found within the members of varsity so welcome home you know it sucked that I couldn't get it in 2021, but I am more than content with getting it now in 2022. Um, immaculate singles were out though, let me say that now. You had Sick, Finesse, Soul, and Closer. And just like, you know, those four being the singles, like that really told me what I needed to know about Welcome Home, which is that this is still varsity. They still have that, uh, you know, bouncy R&B nature to their you know, post-hardcore, metalcore type of delivery, and they act as one of the most premier bands in the scene embarking on that kind of a sound. Um, I think coming out of Welcome Home, I, okay, so I constantly compared Varsity to Issues whenever I brought their name up on this show, but right now, I, I still would say that those Issues comparison are appropriate, but also, the thing that really like stood out to me and what was like kind of engraved in my mind finishing Welcome Home was that Varsity feel more like seeing the weekend. Like they have that kind of a uh, em emotion to their delivery. They have, you know, similar uh like the R&B tones and like that vibrancy in everything that they're doing. I think if you're if you can get into the weekend, you might have the opening to get into Varsity. I think that really really is there. And like one of the, you know, the biggest contributors to that being Joey Varela's delivery and how he can just like, you know, take his soothing voice and carry a chorus or rather carry a verse in the most like pop centric manner possible and then go into a chorus and just allow his vocals to like really, really fucking shine and be so emphatic and so powerful in everything that they need to be. Like, that is so apparent on, again, singles like Sick and Soul, but then when you get into the non-single material, like Paranoid, you can sense immediately, like, you know, this guy has, like, such fucking, uh, soul to his delivery, and I think that is, like, really, really admirable. Um, one of the things I told myself listening to this record for the first time was the stretch of songs from Never Again to Love Sick, so that four-song stretch, uh, I might as well just say it, Never Again, We Always, Welcome Home, and Love Sick, I, like, bands fucking dream of having sh a stretch of songs on any record of theirs that are that fucking good. So Never Again and We Always kind of showcase what I've been talking about with just, like, you know, that balance between the alternative vibes and then the R&B soul-inspired stuff. Uh, we Always, or no, rather, Welcome Home has, like, this classical guitar implemented all throughout it, and it acts as, like, this, uh, like, real, uh, unique element to Varsity's delivery that I think just, like, really, really helps elevate Welcome Home to another status in terms of comparing it to the rest of the material on this record. And then Lovesick. I, okay, so I mentioned earlier, like, the top five for Scenic Overlook, all of them could have been number one. I had, like, you know, the graphic made for lovesick to be number one i was ready to give it number one i just you know uh billy talents uh hanging out with all the wrong people and then um lights and fire by wolves at the gate like those two songs were just like also right there and ultimately landed at number three for lovesick but lovesick is fucking phenomenal dude i think that might be my favorite varsity song ever made it's just like so um in engraved in everything that i've been talking about with like the the r&b stuff the, the hardcore stuff lovesick is fucking phenomenal and the chorus of that track has not been able to leave me it has like such a chokehold on me and i wouldn't want it any other way 
Um, some of the songs that come later on, like Gravity, that one has like a little bit of like an emo hip hop flair to its execution, in my opinion. And I think it does it, that makes it like, uh, one of the like standout songs on this record. And then the closing track, 11 a.m., it's like this piano ballad that, you know, is so akin to what some like pop stars are doing, uh, you know, have been doing. And it, it's just like, somehow fits in so perfectly with the rest of Varsity's discography. And, like, hearing this record, I'm like, is there anything that this band cannot do? Because everything that they set out to achieve on Welcome Home, they fucking did. And they didn't just do it. They, like, owned this shit, bro. Like, every part of Welcome Home just fucking worked. And I, you know, have all of the admiration in the world of Varsity. That has always been the case. And I, I, I have always looked at them as, like, one of those bands that, you know, has the potential to break out. And all they needed was just, like, that one definitive body of work to their name that can do it. To me, there's no reason that cannot be Welcome Home. Welcome Home is fucking outstanding. I love this record so much. Um, if you're into anything that I've been talking about with like, you know, weekend-inspired stuff, issues-inspired stuff, you know, pop, R&B, post-hardcore, metalcore, anything like that, fucking check out Welcome Home. This band delivered in the biggest way possible, and I, you know, my admiration for this record has only somehow grown since Friday, and I gave it a fucking 10. Like, this record is outstanding, and I keep saying all this shit over and over again, but I don't know how else to put it. Welcome home, fucks. And that was it. That was every record, single, whatever bit of news I had to talk about this week. Um, I truly don't mind reviewing a lot of shit every week. I know I kind of complained about nine records last week, and then now there are seven this week. I don't really, you know, mind doing that, because to me, it gives me the ability to potentially you know, put on a new band to at least one person. And if I can do that, then it's worth me dedicating the time to this platform. And, you know, I, I don't really know what's up this Friday. We'll see. Um, I don't really know what's happening the rest of the like month until Bad Omens uh, at the end of February. So, yeah, I just kind of have to uh, wait and see and, you know, go scout the fucking internet for stuff, I guess. Uh... I, I do want to mention one more time, though, the special episode I made this week for Amo's uh, three-year anniversary, I also suggest checking that out. I worked really, really hard on it, and if you've ever been curious why Amo is my favorite album of all, of all time, I did my best to explain all of it in that episode, so uh, please go check it out. It would mean the world to me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chapter, and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene. 